I'm Pete Primo. This is the podcast for furniture and mattress store owners who want to make more money without the BS. Welcome to the No BS Sales, Marketing, and More podcast for furniture and mattress stores. If you own a furniture or mattress store or you work in one, this is a podcast for you. Episode 009 with Mark Quinn and my co-host Doug Stewart. Mark, good morning. How are you? Hey, Pete. Great. How are you? I'm good, man. So listen, everybody wants to know why uh, why you you left Legged and why you decided to go out on your own and uh, and have all of that risk. It you had it nice. You had it safe, my friend. Can you walk us through some of that? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, it's funny. The reaction from people after I left Leggett, um, it, not a lot of people leave Leggett, first of all. And I think the primary reason is it's a great place to be. People really enjoy it. You're living in a small town uh, if you're working for the corporate office. And so people have a lot of family ties here. And, and we've grown some pretty good roots here as well. But, um, you know, I didn't come from this culture. I, I've been here eight years. And, and Leggett time, that's not very long. Um, but so that for them, it was very odd that I left. And so a lot of disbelief. I mean, I can't believe you're, you're, you're actually taking off. Mostly, I just turned 47 uh, this last week. So people think I'm insane for uh, leaving a perfectly good, secure job at that age with kids, young kids. But, you know, at some point you got to, if something crosses your desk or gets put in front of you that is incredible, and the opportunity is huge, and you're inspired by it. I think you gotta. I think you gotta go after it. And if you don't, I think you you look in the rear of your mirror, and you're always saying to yourself, um, "Why didn't I do that?" And that and that's what's happened here. You know, if, if I would have not done what I'm doing now, I would have probably regretted that, and and that's not acceptable. So that's awesome. You know, our primary audience here is store owners and. You know, most store owners probably made a similar decision at some point in their life um, where they kind of had to leave the safety net of, a, of another job and go out on their own. So walk me, uh, walk me through where you're at right now. Kind of give us an update of where you're at with your building your company. And uh, also, feel free to promote your company because I love hearing your story. I love hearing your 30-second commercial that's less than 30 seconds. So have at it. Yeah, sure. First of all, I want to say to the, your audience, so it's retail owners. So I have friends here in Joplin, and a lot of them are small business owners. And I always was in awe of what they do because owning a business, accepting risk that way, and being on their own, I always thought that was a big deal, and, and I always aspired to do something like that. And so they often looked at me the other way, working for a big corporation, having some level of success inside that environment. So there was kind of a mutual admiration there. So I'm getting to do what I've always uh, been inspired by in those other guys. So anyway, it's, uh, it, it, it's, it's great to get to do it. The reason I'm doing it, Pete, and what we're doing, if you look at the luxury market, Today, um, ISPA says it's 20%. If you do the quick math on it, it's about 1.7 billion. And you know there there are a lot of the, the same people doing the same thing. So the 
the people making up the largest part of that market is Tempur-Pedic. You've got Stearns and Foster with a really strong program. Earl Cluft has always been uh, uh, poking around that part of the business. So you've got a lot of the same players, Simmons, Black, of course, and then you could uh, argue that iComfort and iSeries are probably in that category as well, and I'm probably missing some folks. But um, when, you, when you look at it, it's been a lot of the same for a long time. And so when Simon Spinks came up to me after a speech I gave in England at the National Betting Federation, and he hit me with what we're doing now, I was absolutely blown away. Um, and if you look at the, so the luxury market, there's opportunity. That's the first point in this, in this, in this industry. Secondly, if you look at a macro trend of farm to table in the restaurant industry, so we're talking about farm to bedroom, and then you look at another macro trend, Pete, which is natural. Uh, there's not a lot of guys doing that very well in the betting industry, and it's really not a mainstream product assortment. And we're not going to be about natural. That's not our headline, if you will, in the story. But it is certainly a part of who we are. And let's be very clear about the, the biggest part of it is consumers buy stories. And at the end of the day, our product and our category and our um, approach to the consumer with our product, it's a great story. And I think our story absolutely trumps any story in the market. And so the great thing is you got a clock over there, so you can time this. It's under one minute. Here we go. We have a 300-acre farm in the countryside of Yorkshire in England where we grow hemp and we grow flax, which is linen, and we have our own herd of sheep, about 300 strong, that we shear for the wool, and we turn all of these things into really unique and different comfort layers that have not been used here in the United States before to create incredibly comfortable products. We've won two Queen's Awards because the business is so unique. One for sustainability, which is important these days, and one for innovation. And in addition to that, we're using coils and micro coils and coil structures, and we're going to do some cool stuff in our foundation that nobody in the States is doing. So there it is in under a minute. And, and here's another key part of what our, our whole approach is. If it's simple and it's easy, Apple's the king of that, right? If it's simple, if it's easy, and you guys know better than I, if the RSA can connect to it and repeat it and do it in an easy way, then I think you've got something pretty pretty special. And, and I think that one-minute story is pretty easy to remember, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, well, absolutely. The so, one thing so Mark, I would here's, here's say, my I question. Wanna, go, go, go ahead, Doug. All right, so Mark, here's the question I've got for you. I, I just finished reading... Um, a book that Mark Kinsley recommended and that you're writing about right now, The 22 Immutable Laws of, uh, of Marketing, and, right. and love the book. One of the things in the book that it talks about is the difference between trends and fads. Right. Our fads are sort of like the, um, the waves and the trends are sort of like the current, right? How do, you, how do you make the distinction between what is a trend and what is a fad in terms of some of the things that you're doing with the sustainability story, with the, um, with the, with the farm to, to bedroom story? How do you make that distinction and how, what makes you sure that, you've got, that you're working and focusing towards trends and not necessarily towards fads? Yeah, good point. And I think time is the test of that, isn't it? I mean, so if you look at fads, I think that one of the definitions of a fad would be time. So they're typically short-lived. And so I think if you look at sustainability, companies focused on sustainability, measuring sustainability, uh, creating business models around sustainability, 
that's been going on for, I don't know, the last decade. Uh, and so I don't see any slowdown there. I think that consumers today want you to be responsible about the environment. They want you to be focused on other things than profitability and and uh, just getting your products into the market. So I think I don't think that's going anywhere. And I think there's been a lot of momentum building there. So I think if you look at the wave of that, uh, I think that would tell you it's not a fad. Uh, and then the farm-to-restaurant or farm-to-table, that, that probably is more in the fad category. But if you look at people and consumers in general looking to eat better and do things that's better for their body, I think that is not a fad. I think that is absolutely um, something I, I'd say more than a couple decades strong uh, of where people have been coming from there. So I don't think that's going anywhere. I think if it's good for you, uh, if you can do it economically – um, you know, and that's one thing we learned about green. It's one thing we learned about organic. You know, a lot of people in the mainstream, uh, they like green, won't necessarily pay more for it. Uh, they like organic the same way. And we're not organic, we're just natural, uh, which there's, there's a big difference to that. So, um, you know, we're going to be very competitively priced. Uh, we're not going to ask consumers to give us a massive premium uh, because we have a farm. Uh, that's all going to be passed along to them in a, in a good way. So I think... It is definitely trending. And, and guys, let's look at the bigger picture here, right? Um, which is sleep. Right. So at the end of the day, um, if we in the industry and we do a, a, a crappy job of it, I think we would all agree in in total of getting the consumer to really understand the benefit of sleep mm -hmm. to their life. And if you look at the websites out there from the major four manufacturers, if you look at the websites out there for a lot of the retailers, it's not there. And I always say this, guys, what if it was? What if we as an industry got together and stopped looking at it as a competitive situation and said, we're on the same team here, folks. And if we all band together and we all drive that message that these products that we're making deliver better quality of life, it could be crazy what we do. And, and really, if you look at sleep, do a Google analytic on sleep as a subject and what you're going to see is that sleep is growing still, and the consumer still doesn't get it. And what they definitely don't get, being chairman on the Better Sleep Council, one of our biggest problems was getting the consumer to get the dotted line from better sleep equals better quality of life to the solid line connection to the mattress mm. and the equipment, right? Yeah. So that's a really long answer for you, Doug. But I think sleep is a trend, not a fad. I think natural is a trend, not a fad. Uh, and I think that being sustainable and being responsible is something that everybody should be doing. Um, Doug, you know, I've got Jeff Janakovo's words, differentiate or die, r running through my head right now. And I think what Mark has done with his new company is in a very meaningful way differentiated himself and more meaningfully um, it's a story that you don't have to have a superstar RSA to tell that story an average RSA can uh, tell that story very easily and an average RSA could deliver those goods um, to the consumer and you know one of the things in a previous uh, 
podcast, Jeff Janakovo, his company, they focus on pain-free, happy wake-ups for the customer. And you said the same exact thing, that we as an industry really need to focus on that. Um, so, you know, Pete, Pete, you make a good point. And Jeff is uh, doing some really great stuff with, uh, with his business. And The Differentiator Diet, it's a great book. Um, I'm a big fan of that book uh, and actually got to meet the author at a big speaking engagement. But um, what I would say on that as well, if you look, guys, at the luxury category and you plot the products from these guys and then you look at the stories they're telling, I'm going to tell you, it's the same story, fellas, said differently four or five different times. There's not a lot of differentiation to that. And so... If you get rewarded for innovative approaches to market, then I like our chances. I like your chances, too. Um, where are you at in your process? When are we going so st- yeah. to see the product? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, that's, that's the one thing. My dad, you know, every, every time I'm on the phone with him, he's like, how's the product coming along, you know? And, and so it's it's coming along great, actually. We just got back from Phoenix, my brother and I, um, went to the factory there, the Sherwood factory there. And, you know, during this process, because you're sending raw materials over from England, if you don't like what you have, we have to, you know, call them back and say, we want to change the gram weight from uh, alpaca wool to tree silk. Or, you know, and these are raw materials that nobody here has really ever worked with. Therefore, can't really give you a lot of counsel on how to do it. So we're, we're really um, doing some new things. And because of that, and because we're coming from England with a lot of our own materials taking time, but I will tell you this, I was blown away happy with the last version of the product. We are there. Um, it feels entirely different than anything on the floors today. It is discernibly different. Uh, so the story is really cool. And if you have a great story, you better deliver when it comes time for the product. And I'm going to tell you, there's nothing like it in the market, uh, and and I think people are going to be. So I'm not about you know you know price of entry is it's got to feel good, right? And it's got to look good. Everybody has to do that. But if you can wow them with something, then you tip the scale, and I think we're absolutely there. That's so fantastic. Now, so you were with my friend Drew uh, last week. Yes, Drew and I got to hang out, got to have lunch. He's a solid guy, man. That guy, yes. uh, he knows a lot about this industry, there's no doubt. But yeah, yeah we, we got to, and they, they built the beds and they did a brilliant job of it. And um, so now we've got a couple key showings. Um, we've already taken some people to uh, big, big retailers in the country. Uh, the feedback has been um, very positive, to say it mildly. Uh, and once you show the product, I think they'll uh, they'll get it. Um, even you know when you see the the backstory and you, you walk the farm and you stay at the house and you get to tour the factories and you see Simon Spinks, this mad scientist, a brilliant guy doing things nobody in this country is doing. Uh, and then you get to connect to the product, and if the product delivers, like it will, um, I think you should be seeing uh, our product sitting selling floors pretty soon. So tell us, tell us about who you see as your ideal retailer. Where, where do you see these beds um, sitting? You know, it's, it's going to be the retailer guys that um, want something different. They want to make significant margin. Uh, they value a story. They value a unique product. They have the RIT 
that is skilled enough to sell $3,000 price points. Um, if they're tired of the typical approach from the typical manufacturer, uh, then we'll be a great option for them. Um, we are very authentic and genuine in our approach, and, and uh, not that others aren't, but I think we'll do that uh, a little bit better than most. Um, and, and we're going to give them a unique uh, opportunity. At the end of the day, we sell profit. Right? So if the products and the, and the program you deliver can make them profitable, then I think you have a good audience. So it's the people that value the things that I just shared with you. And then in addition, um, it's people who are going to represent it well. I mean, if, if we've got guys that want to put the right point to sell behind it, they want to invest in the training, they want to tell the story to consumer and, and advertising and marketing, that's part of us. We're not going to waste our time trying to sell people that don't understand this probably in the first 10 minutes. Hmm. If we have to do a big sales job on them, I can tell you right now, they're not the right people for us. This is not difficult to understand. Um, and, and the people that get excited about it right away are the ones that we partner with. And there are some really high-quality retailers out yeah. there. The really good ones, they always get it. And those right. are the ones that we're targeting. Right. And you know what? I, I love that you say that. And the reason why I love that so much is because so many people, when they have a new product or just a product in general, they want to sell it to anyone whose check will clear the bank. <laughs> Right. But it's, it's right. so important. It's so important, and I love I love your disposition on this. It's so important not only to know who your customer is, but also to know who your customer isn't, <laughs> and who you're not going to do well, with. Yeah, no, it's a great it's a great point, Doug. And the reality is, I don't have a factory to pay for. You know, the Sherwood guys are brilliant. They are. I, I would put them up against anybody in terms of knowing how to make a good quality bed. Their factories are beautiful. They are state of the art. I would put their factories up against anybody in this industry. Uh, Lance and Neil are brilliant. Their father, uh, Leon, is brilliant. Um, these guys are, you know, A players. And so they're running a significant business already. They don't need anything that we're doing to pay their bills. Uh, matter of fact, they don't have any bills because their factories are paid for. So, you know, I like where we're at. And there's no pressure on us. Those guys understand that us finding the right partners in the right market with the right launch strategy what is what makes this business healthy and, and strong long-term. We're not playing this as, as a short-term game. We're looking at the long game here. I, I, I don't have anything else to say other than, when am I going to see your product? <laughs> yeah. You know, guys, in, in, in it's soon. In it's soon, I promise. Um, hopefully, uh, end of June, would be the target for that, but you know the the other thing I would I would add to the other that I said is you know from a manufacturing perspective, it's not just product and it's not just story, right? We are going to have training uh, for the RSA that will be very unique. Um, my background actually before I ever got into the bedding manufacturing side was retail sales training, um, and so I have a real passion for de developing people and having them understand the psychology of persuasion. So that's going to be real important. And then the other part is the relationship with the consumer. We're going to do some stuff on the digital back end that nobody in the manufacturing space is doing. And we are um, really committed to serving the consumer in the shopping phase and making sure when, when people experience our brand online that it is a unique, ass-kicking experience. Awesome. Are you going to be selling direct-to-consumer? 
I haven't made that decision, um, but we're definitely considering that. And, and part of the reason is it's not as much about selling it to make profit. It's more about being that directly connected to the consumer because when you are, you learn a lot. Right. When you're taking those phone calls from the consumer for customer service reasons, you really learn about a lot about your business. So we're really looking at that. Right, right. And, you know, I think that's one of the things that, one of those questions that I always get asked that, that I had a lot of conversations about when I was at Tempur-Pedic. And, and oftentimes retailers felt like initially that was maybe a bad thing. But what ended up happening is it chummed up the waters for the, for the conversation. And so often it ended up being more of a benefit um, to retailers than a, than a negative even. So um, I'll, be, I'll be interested to see um, the decision you make there. Yeah, you know, Doug, I think what we might we might end up doing is selling directly, um, but using our retail partners to uh, ship or using our retail partners for a showroom or doing a revenue share, potentially. I think what's really important when you do something like that is, no matter what, you got to make it easy on the consumer to enter your brand. Mm. And so if they're on my website and they prefer to buy it that way, that's fine. You know, let them buy it that way. Right. And um, I think that the retailers out there that are smart, they'll get that. Um, we're happy to to consider uh, anything. I, I don't think we'd be a threat, really, to any retailer. And if I'm a threat, then they've got bigger problems than than me selling directly. <laughs> yeah, no question. So here's 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 a big question. I'd, I'd love to get your your opinion about this. So um, you know, there there are, there are more people buying mattresses directly online than ever before. And so you've got companies like uh, Casper and some of those other guys out there that are going direct. There's no showroom. There's nowhere to lay on it. There's nowhere to try, nowhere to try it. What do, you, do you see that to be a trend, a fad, or something different? No, it's, it's not a fad. It's a trend. So think about this, guys. When I was with Third Eye, so I was the, the key account guy there. And, um, and I got this, it was $50 million. When I left the business, it was close to $200 million. Um, and and that's because of a, a brilliant team there at Serta and some great brand building by people like Ed Lilly and Susan Evall and um, a commitment to the brand. And um, so, but all of that business, guys, as well as the Costco business, which at the time I believe was about $70, $80 million for Sealy, all that stuff, you're, those consumers are buying those products uh, without laying on it, at least at the time they were. Now Sam's has got a, a unit where you can lay on it, but... Uh, I don't know how many people actually pull that thing out and lay on them. But then you fast forward. You look at QVC and HSN and the business I was doing with ShopNBC uh, when I was with Serta. Guys, there is a hell of a lot of business being done online well before Tough the Needle and Casper mm -hmm. got involved. And it's and, and if you look at it, um, it, it, it amazes me that this industry doesn't have more of a conversation around that because... It is, it is, I've talked to some people, a half a billion to, uh, to a billion dollar business, and those numbers aren't really captured anywhere. Mm -hmm. So I don't think we have a good feel for where this industry is, because I think the online business is so significant. And look, the barrier for entry is nothing. I mean, the yeah. three of us inside of an hour could source a bed-in-the-box type product uh, and have it ready to go almost um, literally inside an hour. Um, and then we can have another guy in one day's time. I bet we could source a product and have an online presence in about one day. That's the barrier for entry for this industry. And so here's, here's what I would say to everyone on that point. If you are in no man's land, you have a problem. 
So the most recent blog I wrote with Q's Views was about focus. And so Corsicana giving a lot of credit to Carol. Carol knew what he was, didn't he? I mean, Carol, Carol never tried to be anything other than what he was, which is a, I call it a value line, call it the, the entry point product. Um, but he knew what he was, and he drove hard at that category. There's a lot of people trying to be everything to everybody, and when you do that, you end up really putting yourself in harm's way because you don't mean anything to the consumer. And I believe the guys that will thrive going forward will be well-defined. They will um, mean something to the RSA. They'll mean something to these retail owners out there. And by the way, these guys watching this that own retail stores, if anyone walks into your, st in, into your office and they say they want to be part of your retail floor, the, the, the one question I would be asking is, how are you going to grow my overall business? Mm -hmm. Because a lot of these guys come in and they want, they want real estate. And at the end of the day, they're just trying to get a piece of the pie. Right, if, right. If, if, no, if somebody can't come in and give a very strong, make a very strong argument of how you're going to grow it overall, right? So it's product, it's marketing programs that you're going to be doing on your own outside of what the retailer is doing. It's compelling, profitable ways to grow the business. But you don't get that a lot from the people in this business. So I think it is standing for something and then adding value back to the retail partner you've got. I think we we all all we need to do now is see your uh, see your product now, Mark. Do you really think June is going to be it, or do you think you're it's going to be um, more like August or September? And do you plan on showing at any uh, markets? Uh, Pete, the cheeky answer is it's going to be ready when it's right. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, if, good if answer. get it done in, you know, well, I mean, no, seriously, though. Like I said, we're not we're not in a rush here. My partners know that this is the, the biggest piece of it. So we think we're really close. Um, so the retailers that we have working with us on product development, that's another thing. You know, a lot of these big retailers out there, they'll bring their new line to some of these big retailers, and they basically hand it to them and say, this is what you're going to be selling. You know, they don't value the input of the retailer, which is insane to me. I mean... These, these retailers know the consumer better than anybody making a bet today. And so I think having the retailer's input in the developmental phase of a product cycle is critical. So we've got some people with us at the table uh, helping us um, develop. And so, you know, we're working with them and, and we're very, very close with it. Um, you know, you never know. There's unforeseen problems. But yes, June, July at the very latest, probably. But, you know, with that, we've got to make sure the point of sale is correct. We've got to make sure our website's looking good. We're going to completely reinvent the website, right? Because what we built was simply to launch for Vegas market. Um, and so we just wanted to be able to tell this story. It's not at all what it's going to look like when we launch and we're ready to go to the consumer. Um, and as far as markets, I don't think so, Pete. I, I don't think we really need to be at a market. We're not going to be for everybody. Right. Um, we don't want to incur the cost because that is a significant cost. Yeah. Um, if I was a, a Sealy sort of Simmons or one of those guys, I would probably have a space. But, you know, that's just not who we are. And the, the, the phone calls I need to make and the, the product presentations I need to have can be done differently. And we don't need to incur that cost. It ultimately gets passed along to the consumer anyway. So we're going to yeah. try and be smart about that. Awesome. Well, I think we gave uh, 
we, we gave a pretty good glimpse into your your new company and the most important thing is the lessons uh, that all of our retailers can take away from this and that is know who your customer is be focused differentiate and really do um, a great job for your consumer and that appears to be exactly what you're doing mark with your yeah. approach yeah well thanks Pete and I just want to say something to your audience the retailers out there because I, I don't think it's easy to bag on the retailers I mean if you really look at a lot of the articles that come out and we're critical about the shopping experience and not saying that the retailers out there can't do a better job but I think we undervalue the job they do and in and, and manufacturers, a lot of times, they make that job too easy. They make it sound too easy. And believe me, I've been in many, many meetings as a manufacturer, 20 years of my career, was spent on that side. And it's easy to criticize the retailer. But my brother, Jeff Quinn, who's my partner in the, the Spink and Edgar business, he was a retailer. And I'm telling you, man, those guys have a hard job. Mm -hmm. And I really appreciate what they do. Um, I value their their approach. Uh, in, in many ways, and it, those guys got it tough, and uh, I think we need to uh, pause more and celebrate the accomplishment of what they do, because they are the front line for this industry, so um, we appreciate it, and we're going we're gonna to work with them and hopefully give them something exciting to sell and make money with. Yeah. Mark, how, if there's a retailer out there that wants to get a hold of you and continue this conversation with you, um, how do they get a hold of you? How do they yeah, continue they, this? Yes, yeah, send me an email at uh, mquinn, so M is in Mark, Q-U-I-N-N-0-3 at gmail.com. And uh, be happy to talk to him, and uh, we'll field that and um, uh, get right back to him and have a good conversation and, and see if we're a good fit for each other. Great. Mark, thanks so much. And Doug, anything before we say goodbye? You know, the only thing that I could, I could think about when you, were, when you were naming off all of the things that we could get from what Mark said, you know, you have to do all those things as a retailer, right? Right. But even if you're doing all those things, it's so important to partner with people that are doing that as well. And I think that's the that's what I really get from what what Marcus has shared with us today, is that there are things as a retailer. Look, I've I've been one, and I've I've lived the dream and lived the nightmare at the same time of being a retailer. And I know how valuable it is to have a manufacturer that is that is coming alongside real partner instead of someone just trying to get a piece of the business that's going to happen anyway. And so, you know, the only thing that I would, my big takeaway is there are things you have to do as a retailer, but just as important, there are people that you have to connect with that are going to be like-minded, that are going to help you get to where you need to be. And I think, I think Mark is a perfect demonstration of that. So Mark, thank you. Hey, thanks guys. Appreciate it. Appreciate what you guys are doing. Thanks, Mark. Thank you for listening to the No BS Sales, Marketing, and More podcast for furniture and mattress stores. We love reviews at our podcast. They help us get found. Please review us at iTunes or Stitcher. And while you're there, please subscribe. This podcast was brought to you by Primo Furniture Sales. For more tips on selling furniture and mattresses, go to PetePrimo.com. Till we meet again, sell a million. Thank you.